I don't know. I've never seen a men's ministry like what we have at Creative. And I just want to take a moment and just honor um, our pastor. He's an incredible pastor for men. For men. Come on. Let's show him love. I, I appreciate. He uh, poured into us some real men's ministry, no girls allowed type of sermons that you, maybe you've heard a little bit from your husbands, but we can't share it all because what happens at men's conference? And so, um, but it was just powerful. Just, it's really great to have, for a pastor to lead the way and create a space like that for men to be real and vulnerable and connect with each other. And I'm just so grateful to serve under that leadership. He, he ended the conference, got on a plane, and he's ministering out of state yesterday and today. And uh, he just let me know this morning. He loves you guys, misses you guys, can't wait to be back and um, see what God is going to do. He asked me to share this morning, and I'm honored to do that. And I've been having some, some interesting conversations over the last several weeks with some guys in our church. Here and there, somehow I get into these conversations for different reasons, and we just link up. And God's been showing me some things through each of these interactions that I wanted to preach from today. That God just really put together this sermon through those conversations. And I just want to share what he's been showing with me, and I think it'll be powerful for the church. It started on Wednesday night. We actually had, before we left for the conference, we had a, an outdoor youth service for middle school and high school right there in the parking lot. It was just hundreds of teenagers just in the parking lot with an acoustic guitar just shouting out the name of Jesus and lifting their hands in worship and praying for one another. It was awesome. It was awesome. And uh, if, you don't, if you don't currently come or bring your student, every middle school and high school should be here on Wednesdays. Uh, God is just doing something amazing there. And I was talking with them about how we're doing an outdoor service which is kind of weird when there's a building right here and we're literally in the parking lot and we got state-of-the-art equipment, but we did it anyway. It was fun. We had a bonfire and s'mores and all that. And then we went to the conference. So I'm pretty much maxed out on my outdoorsness for the year. No more outdoor events, all inside events for the rest of the year. Amen? And that's me. And um, it was a beautiful week, though. We, couldn't, we almost couldn't even have had a better week for that event and for the conference. And we were out there, and we were just enjoying the breeze and the, the warmth and having a good time. And I was telling them that I am the one who will drive with my windows open for as long as I can. Because they're like, right up until this week, and maybe if, if, if allowed into October, I will. Just right on the brink of me getting sick, that's when I'll close it. You know, and then come like April or May, as soon as I can again, I'm riding with those windows down again. I'm that guy. Anybody else put their hands out the window still and do the whole little like catch the, catch the wind wave thing? Stick your face out the window? No, don't do that while you're driving. But I enjoy it. I love, I love just feeling that wind and just like enjoying it. Let it blow through my hair, you know. And I was getting, I was driving like that the other day. And I'm getting ready to get on the freeway. I'm on the entrance ramp and starting to pick up my speed and merge in with the traffic. And I realized that right there in my cup holder and on my seat were some receipts and some important documents. 
so then I have a choice to make. I either just let it be, come what may. I only have a few days left of these windows being open and just whatever's going to fly around and whatever's going to get misplaced and out of order, let that just happen and just enjoy this time and cruise along with my windows open. Or I could secure everything, control everything, make sure everything's good, close these windows for now so that I can just make sure everything is secure. I found a good little compromise. I grabbed all those receipts and papers, stuffed them in between the seats so that they could be stuck there, and then I left the windows open and I went for it. And it was, it was great. But there's something about being in a place, being in a church, in an environment where the wind of God is blowing, and you decide you want to open those windows. But when you open those windows and let the wind in, it might blow some things around. It might rearrange some things. It might take some things that you thought were very valuable and take them out of order. It might blow some things right out the window. That's what it's like, though, when you are allowing the Holy Spirit to move in your life. You can't always just have it all controlled and secure and your routines and your schedule and your plans just the way you want it and also have the Holy Spirit. You decide if you want to have the windows open or not. So I was having a conversation with a young man in the church here named Hunter, and he reminded me of this verse when we were talking about this. John 3 Chapter, ch- chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one could enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So you should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. So when we come to God like, yeah, I just, that's just who I am. I'm not going to change my attitude on that. That's just that's how I've always done it. That's how my dad used to do it. That's how my grandpa used to do it. That's just how I am. That's how I talk to people. You know, I know it's a little rude, but that's just how we are. Don't be surprised at Jesus saying, you must be born again. When we come with our sin and the things that we've, just the bad habits that we've just created over the years, and they're just ingrained in us and we say well this is just what what I do there's no way I'm ever going to get out of this this is just the things I've established in my life and I'll, I'll do this Lord but I'm not going to change these areas of my life don't be surprised when Jesus comes with his saying you must be born again when this generation and the anthem of this generation is we were born this way Don't be surprised when Jesus says, yeah, this is why you must be born again. Don't be surprised when I say that, he said. Yeah, you have all kinds of ideologies and thoughts and theories and backgrounds and things you've inherited and genetics and all that kind of stuff. That's why that you got that from flesh. But for your spirit to come alive, that only comes from the spirit. 
That only comes from the Holy Spirit. You have to be born again. And then it says the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell. I'm going to put the scripture up. Where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. When you're in a church where the Spirit is moving, a, a youth ministry where the Spirit is moving, a, a men's ministry where the Spirit of God is moving, where we're allowing the wind of the Spirit to blow in our lives, there can be someone over here who you see the evidence, you see the fruit. They are changing. They're being transformed. The way they used to do things, they don't do it. They don't treat people like that anymore. They don't deal with their money like that anymore. They don't approach marriage like that anymore. They've really changed. They, they used to be set in their ways, and you're like, I don't, I don't even recognize you anymore. You have changed. The things that you used to put as priorities are just changing now. And over here, someone else can be in the same church, in the same place, in the same, uh, same atmosphere, but they are not changing. They're the same. Same routine, same weekly, monthly the same way they deal with money, the same way they handle issues, the same way they handle problems, the same way they treat their spouse, the same way they raise their kids. Everything is kind of the same, kind of the routine, kind of what they've done. They're Christians. They love the Lord. But this is kind of like where it stops. It's not that the Holy Spirit changed. It's not that the wind was blowing more over there than over here. The difference is that they opened the window and they closed it. So we have a choice when we're in an environment where the Holy Spirit is moving, we have a choice when we invite the Holy Spirit to decide that we're going to either open the windows or close it. Some of us opened it a while ago. We had a season of open windows where we're letting God just change us and wreck us and, and move us and do whatever he wanted. And then we got to the place where I, I've got this figured out now. I've got a little routine. That was then. That was when I was younger. I was a little more free. Now I got to do this. I got these bills and these things, and this is how I have to do it. And so now we've decided to close the window. We decided that. And we're not seeing God do the things he used to do. Turn to the person next to you and say, open that window. Let go of what's important in our schedules and our plans and our control. And when you talk about windows, there's all kinds of windows. There's different ways to open. The Bible often refers to it as windows of heaven. Windows, plural, like there's different ones. And when you approach different windows, there's different ways to open these windows. Have you ever tried to like crank it and then realize there's a latch too? And then you look like, oh, what's going on? I'm, you know, there's different ways. There's sometimes the crank, you wind the window, and then there's the latch, then there's the shutters, then there's locks on some of them, then there's a handle on some of them. When you're in your car, you press the button, and the window goes down. Some of you are really advanced. Walk into the house, say, Alexa, open the windows, and you speak it into existence. Either way, there's different ways we have to learn how to open the windows. And the scripture actually shows us how to open those windows of heaven. How many of you guys want the windows of heaven opened over your life and the blessing of God opened over your life? Well, the word tells us there's actually three major times in scripture where it mentions the windows of heaven and talks about how they were opened and what it took. So I want you to take some notes here. I want to, I want to go through this with you. One of the first ways to open up the windows of heaven over your life 
is obedience. Everybody say obedience. Don't just be hearers of the word, but also doers. Where we're actually deciding that whatever he says, we'll do. Even if it looks kind of crazy, like, I don't know, there's a guy in Genesis and God just told him, hey, listen, I need you to build a big boat. You know this guy? And uh, he was like, I need you to build a big, giant boat. Everyone's going to laugh at you, make fun of you. I need you to get all the animals, put them on there, and you and your family are going to go on there. It's going to rain. And he just obeyed. The Bible said he was chosen because he was righteous. And Pastor Jonathan reminded us at the men's conference that you're not proven righteous by how many times you didn't, you didn't fall. You're proven righteous by how many times you got back up. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times and get back up again. So it wasn't that Noah was perfect. It was just that in any mistake, he just ran back to God, learned and grew. And so he was chosen because of his righteousness to do this. He gave him specific instructions, build the ark. And because of that obedience, this is what happened in Genesis 7, 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life. That's an old guy. In the second month, 17th day of the month, on that day, all of the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. I've learned that there are some things in my heart, this is my heart, I guess, some areas that are just like, I'm good, I'm solid, I'm aligned, I've aligned that with God, with his holy word, I'm living that just the way I'm supposed to, I know that, I've committed that to God, this is like solid. And there's a couple areas in the corners here that even if when I try, I can't seem a way to consistently line that up with the Lord. I've got tendencies, I've got behaviors, that even when I come to the altar time and time again, I can't free myself from it. There's unrighteousness in there. And it just sits there, and I don't know what to do. This flood that happened in Genesis was all about preserving the righteous and washing away all unrighteousness. There is a flood coming to your life, rain coming to your life from the Holy Spirit that will wash away the things you couldn't wash away by yourself. Break some of the addictions that you could not get rid of yourself. The Holy Spirit has a way of doing that and preserving what's in you that's righteous. It starts with obedience to the little things. Another way to open up the windows is faith. Everybody say faith. Faith is when you don't see the miracle yet, you're believing for it, you haven't seen it yet, yet you will act as if it's real, and you will speak as if it's real. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So when you haven't seen the miracle yet, faith is there as your down payment. There's a prophet in the Old Testament, Second Kings, where there was a drought. There was no rain. 
and no one thought there was gonna, all the harvest was destroyed, the land was, was dry and barren, and, and the, the whole culture was in disarray because there was no rain, and the prophet could see it. He knew. He stepped out in faith. He started declaring that there'd be rain. He started telling people that he was telling the king that there'd be rain. 2 Kings 7.2, so an officer whose hand the king leaned on answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this be, could this really happen? This restoration of our land and our community and our civilization, it hasn't rained for a long time. If the Lord could really make windows in heaven, could this happen? And the prophet said, in fact, you will see it with your eyes. You'll see it with your eyes, but I already see it. That was the faith that opened the windows. There's other people that will not see it, will not understand it until the blessings come. But you see it already. You've been believing God. God spoke to you. God told you. You know that miracle is coming. You know that, that uh, healing is happening. You know that person in your life, that child that walked away from the Lord will come back one day. You, you don't see it now, but you know it. You say it, you declare it, you speak it. Activates an open window of heaven. Another way to open the windows is surrender. Everybody say surrender. Surrender is when you lift up your hands and say, I finally admit that I cannot do this by myself. I can't have this victory by myself. I can't figure this out. I can't solve this by myself, I'm waving the white flag saying, I can't do this. I surrender. Malachi 3. We're going to talk about surrender here. Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? What are you talking about, God? You've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Can we just note here that your tithe has nothing to do with your relationship with your church? Or very little to do with that. It's not, oh, I like this particular church. I like the programs they have here. Therefore, I will decide to tithe. That's not what it is. He didn't say you've robbed the church. He didn't say you robbed the kids' ministry. He didn't say, you robbed the lighting and sound department. He said, you robbed me. You and me are having a challenge. Because all he ever wanted was a relationship with you. And that relationship is at odds when you're robbing him. If Derek robbed me right now, we would have a weird relationship. If he robbed me and then showed back to church next week, we'd be a little awkward. At the very least, he'll avoid me, you know. And if he sees me, he's like, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to pay you back. Well, I'll, get, I'll get paid next month. I'll get you. Don't worry. Don't worry. And he'll walk away from me while he says it. That's what we do to God. God, I'll get, I'll get there. When I get things ready, I'll get things. I'll, I'll, I promise I'll. You robbed him. That's why the relationship is weird. Oh, no, he's talking about money now. You were the ones that just said you want the open windows. So we're talking about the windows here. We're talking about the windows. God's way works. 
God's word works. You know, in this stage of life, I am trying to grow up and learn how to cook something. So I'm trying these recipes, you know. I'll Google some and I'll get some from my mom and I'll try them. And I'll get all my ingredients and I'll do this stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm going I'm to figure this out. And I'll get to the point where I'm like, all right, today's the day. Babe, don't even worry. You don't even worry about nothing. I'm going to cook dinner. I'm going to get my, I'm be in the kitchen. I got some music playing. I'm getting, I'm getting going. I'm, I'm excited. Got my pots and my pans and my stuff. And uh, I don't know much about cooking. I use Google a lot. I was like, what is paprika? What is that? Figure it out. We're going to Google this thing. And in the process of doing these recipes, it calls for something. I'm in the middle of the recipe already. I'm going for it. I got this one on the stove already. I'm preparing, chopping up these onions, doing these things. And, um, and I'm sitting there like uh, the, the recipe calls for this other ingredient. I'm like, I don't know, looking in the cupboard and Googling it, seeing what it looks like. I don't know what this is. I realize I don't have it. I don't have it. Okay, man. All right, well, I don't want to go to the store now. I stop everything I'm doing, go to the store and try to get that. So I Google, what's a good substitute? And I figure out something. Oh, I don't have that either. So I make up a substitute. This kind of looks like that. So we get ready. Okay, cool. We're getting dinner. Get on the plate. Get it served up. Oh, this looks like what mom makes. Okay, yeah. Then get the fork out. It doesn't really taste like what mom makes, though. <laughs> Something's wrong here. I'm like, well, I kind of I followed the recipe, except for a couple of substitutes. <laughs> a couple of substitutes. You know, it's like, well, I'm following God's word. I'm following God's recipe and all that. And I, and I bring to my family uh, a meal of faith and a meal of open windows and a meal of uh, healing and a meal of, uh, of, of devotion and, and things like that that I want to serve to my family and bring that. And then when we taste it, it's like, this isn't taste like the open windows that the Bible's talking about. This says, well, well, I know that the one part said 10%, but I put five. I made a substitute. This part called for oil, but when it came to the oil, I didn't want to go buy it. So I came up with a substitute. Pastor's been talking about the oil lately. That only comes with your time with God. It costs what it costs. And we say we want the oil, but what we'll do is we'll put on a YouTube sermon of someone else preaching about the presence. Put it on double speed while we do the dishes. And then when we need the oil, because it doesn't taste right. You know what I'm saying? I'm wondering why. The, where's these open windows, God? God's word works. And in his word, he says first. And then he, say, he says tithe, which means 10%. Your first 10%, that's what it says. And someone came to me and was like, was it, do you tithe on the net or the gross? Well, if when you see the money, the government already took theirs. You already gave health insurance theirs. You already gave your retirement theirs. Now you tithe on that. You've decided to put God forth. You made a substitute. That was what you made. 
well, where's God in this? How come he's not? You decided to make a substitute. Because the rest of it, well, it gets really serious in the next verse. Verse 9, it says, you are cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all, everybody say, bring all. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And now try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven. These are the windows you just said you wanted open. Pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I was having a conversation with another friend of mine, Forrest. We were talking the other day about this concept of tithing. And it said the word bring. It didn't say give your tithe or pay your tithe because that's not really what it is because it wasn't yours to be that generous with anyway. It was his. So if I loan my car, if I loan my car to you and I say at the end of the day after you're done running your errands, bring me back my car, I, I shouldn't have to go to you at the end and say, can you please give me a car? You're bringing back what's mine. It wasn't yours. It's mine. That's what bring means. Then if you decide at the end of the day to not return my car, you have now officially robbed me. The problem is we think we got this job. I worked for this, not God. So that's mine. But it was God who gave us the, the tools. God gave us the strength. God gave us the arms and the legs. God gave us the resources and the health. God gave us the opportunity. God opened the door for us. God gave us the promotion. That was God who did this. That's actually God's. It's actually God's. And God's saying, bring. Bring all. He said, bring all the tithe. Now, the word tithe means 10%. So it's kind of a funny way of saying, bring 100% of your 10%. Why couldn't he just say 10%? Is that not enough math for us? He says, bring all. The reason why he says all is because he knows you. <laughs> and he knows me. And he knows I'm going to bring some. Unless he specifically says, bring all the tithe. Well, I'm going to give a part of it to this, and then I'm going to buy my cousin's uh, college textbooks with the rest. That's generous, right? No, that's not, that's not what you do with the tithe. It specifically says, bring it into the storehouse. All, 10%. 100% of 10%. Bring it all to the storehouse. What does that mean? In, in those days, there was a temple. That's where they came to worship. And either attached or right near to the temple was a big barn. Now, they didn't have money that they tithed within those communities. They had crops. So this person would bring their corn, this person would bring their wheat, this person would bring something else. And they'd bring a 10% of their harvest. Their first 10%, they'd bring it. And so what they would do, the priests that ran the temple, they would take all of that. I was, they wouldn't eat it all. That's a lot. They would actually store it in this barn. They called that the storehouse. So then anytime throughout the winter when someone else didn't have enough, when someone else was on hard times, when someone else had a fire in their field and they didn't have enough, they could come to the house of God and there would be food in the house because everyone in the community tithed. So quite literally, it's happening this week. We have this event every so often. It's called Free Grocery Giveaway. It's happening this Thursday at Spring Lake Park Campus. 
and we buy just a bunch of groceries and then cars line up around the block and anyone who needs, we just load up their cars with groceries. And it's awesome, it's an amazing event. So many people are blessed through it. And how do we buy all those groceries? Your tithe. So quite literally, you bring your tithe to the storehouse so there there would be food when people come to the house and they need it. And spiritually speaking, this is the food that we serve every week. Man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is the bread of life. And we serve it every week. And the way we do that with the facilities and the staffing and the, and the structure and the cameras and the gear and, and the buildings and the chairs that you sit on, the microphones and everything, we do that all by people bringing their tithe to the storehouse so there will be food when people are hungry. Amen? Well, that's pretty cool. This church gives away groceries. Yeah, that's not the reason to tithe, though. The reason to tithe is because God said, you're robbing me. You're robbing me. So he's going to open up the windows, the windows you just said you wanted opened. So we got to trust God. Well, that's a lot. I don't have as much money as the other person. That's okay. It's actually the same amount that you're tithing that they're supposed to tithe. 10%. It's the same. This is a principle I learned when I was 14 and I got saved. I was working my first job flipping sandwiches over at Devani's Hot Hoagies. That was my first job. Wasn't a lot, but 10% wasn't a lot either. So I got in the habit then. So that when it became more, I would stay in that habit. Trust God. Is this all right that I'm sharing this? You wanted the windows open. It's okay, though. This is the kind of window that will rearrange your life. You can decide to close it if you'd like. Not only that, but then he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for your field. He'll make you fruitful. And then he says, all nations will call you blessed, for you will be delightful. Some of us just have problems with being delightful. That's because we're living in lack and we're living in despair and we're living in the closed windows of heaven. You'll get to a place where you benefit everyone around you. I was having another conversation around the fire the other night at the men's conference with my friends Chandler and Caleb. And we were talking about the song, Let It Rain. We really liked that song. We're kind of old school guys. And we really like that song and we sing it, like Let It Rain. And we were talking about it. And like when I, when I sing it, I kind of picture things. I close my eyes. I'm like, let it rain. I feel like sprinkles, spiritual sprinkles on my, on my face, the blessings of God. Let it rain. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. But I, 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 as we were talking, we we're like, but anytime God talks about rain in the Bible, he's not talking about drizzle. He's talking about floods. If you and I were talking right now outside and it started to drizzle a little bit, we probably would just still have our conversation, maybe make our way to the car. But if it started to pour out flood rains, the way God is talking about, the conversation is probably stopping. Everything is probably changing. We'll change the way we walk. We're going to change the way we dress. 
We're going to change the conversations we have. Only the important ones are left. I was here at the church last night, and on the way here was a little drizzle. So I was in the building, and I was getting ready to leave, and as I got to open the uh, door to go to my car again, now it was a downpour. Anybody saw that last night? It was a downpour, and I'm like, I didn't, I'm wearing shorts, and I didn't plan for any of this. So I'm like, I, I walk like this with a hoodie on, and it changes everything. You wouldn't do that if it was just drizzling. And then any little errand that I thought I would gonna run by and do and grab an ice cream cone, all that's canceled, right? Because of the downpour. So when the rain that God is talking about comes in our life, all those other very unimportant things just fall away and we got start to narrow down to only the things God wants for us. That's the kind of rain he wants to pour into our life. That's the kind of open windows. He translates windows as floodgates. Open the floodgates of heaven. You get that text during a rainstorm for your son's soccer tournament. Today's game is canceled. I pray that the Holy Spirit will fall on our lives so much that the games we used to play are canceled. The games we would play with purity are canceled. The games we would play with our money is canceled. The games we used to play with people's heart is canceled. The games we would play with our parenting. The games we would play with our prayer life. We wouldn't really take it that seriously. All of that is canceled. That's the kind of rainstorm that's coming. That's the kind of floodgates that is opening over our lives. And it opens with surrender and faith and obedience and prayer. And it costs what it costs. That's the kind of rain that God is talking about. He's not talking about this little sprinkle that we can just do everything we used to do anyway. I was, years ago, I was young and in ministry, starting out and just out of college and trusting God. I was, I was volunteering at the church in youth ministry. We'd run these big youth rallies and have hundreds of teenagers come and, and minister and, um, and preach and do music. And all the while, though, I was like searching for a job. So I'd be going to interviews. I'm going on the interview one day. And that night, we're starting this weekend youth rally, driving on my way out on St. Paul to this interview. And I'm saying, open up the floodgates. Give me this job, Lord. Give me favor with this employee. Let me figure this out. You know, open up the floodgates, God. And then all of a sudden I'm driving and all the lights on the dash just go out. And the engine shuts off. Smoke starts coming out the hood. And I'm like, oh my God, pull over as quickly as I can as everything slows down to a stop by itself. Get out of the car. What's going on? There's like some fluid just pouring out the bottom of the car. And I was like, God, that's not the floodgates I was talking about. What is happening? I don't have money for this. I barely have money to tow it. I don't have money to get a new car. I, I, this is just a bad timing, God. Like, I don't even have a job right now. I'm trying to figure this out. And I could have complained and just moped, but I just called someone, got it figured out. I got a ride, got it over to a mechanic. I couldn't even afford the mechanic. I got over to church that night because we had church. We we're there to serve. And so I didn't tell anybody except my mom and my pastor, the only ones who knew that this was going on. And everyone else, I was just like, come on, let's praise God, let's worship, let's preach, let's do these things. We saw teenagers get saved. It was awesome. We had guest speakers in town. It was just an amazing weekend. And I'm just thinking in my head, just inside, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. On Monday, I got to figure something out. I don't know. We'll 
we'll, we'll do something. We'll figure it out. Last night of the conference, I'm at restaurant. I'm at Dave and Buster's with the guest speakers, the pastors, some of my friends. And, and we're there. And, and one of the pastors, he's a friend of mine. He, I didn't actually know him even that well until then. He, he said, let me, um, let me take you outside. I got to show you something. So he took me out to the parking lot. And he said, hey, listen, I just got off the phone with my wife. And we're going to give you our car. And I was, I, I don't know much, but I think God was starting to show me what open windows means. When you trust God, you put God first in your tithing, you surrender to God. And there's been so many times that God has provided over my life in ways that I can't even explain or describe to you. I don't even know how, you know. And Daniel, when he was, when he was getting ready to be thrown into the lion's den because he wouldn't denounce God, the Bible said he went up to his upstairs room, knelt down to pray, and opened up the windows. The consistency of I just pray anyway, no matter what's happening. And it didn't actually stop him from being thrown in the lion's den, but it protected him when he got thrown in there. That's the windows. Just the consistency. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to put God first no matter what comes. I'm going to put my time with him first no matter what comes. The presence of God is a priority no matter what comes. Trusting God. Trusting his word. Some of us in here are saying, you know what? I'm not robbing God anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to live under this closed window when God's showing me and telling me how to open it. I'm going to trust him. Next check. I'm starting first 10%, not the leftovers, not fourth, fifth, sixth, first 10%. I'm bringing it to the house of God. I'm going to just trust him. I don't, want to, I don't want there to be any reason why I'm sitting here and the move of God is happening and I'm missing it. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you don't love the Lord, but you don't have fruit. You don't have fruit. It's like the parable of the sower when he was sowing seed onto the dry ground and he was sowing seed onto the rocky places, sowing seed into the good soil. And then the Bible says he sowed seed into the, to the thorns. And it grew up. The seed grew, but the thorns in, it like, in its life choked it out, choked out the fruit. Didn't mean the seed died. It just was now there with no fruit. And that's like the, the person that looks, that is going to heaven, but you can't tell. They love the Lord, but you can't tell. They just not, they don't have any fruit in their life. They're there. It didn't die. And it says what the thorns were. It describes it. The thorns weren't your friends, media, social media, and all that stuff. The thorns were the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of money. That's the thorns that choke out the fruit of God in your life. That we just surrender to that instead of trust God. Consistency. I was having another conversation with Victor. We were in line with a plate at the men's conference in line for some meat. There was some good meat there. These guys were cooking and we were there. We were just standing, we were talking. And we sat, we said, how do we, how do we get rid of pride though? We pray, we try to spend time with God, we lead our families, but then there's this pride that just creeps in. How do we get rid of that? And I was reminded of another conversation I had with my cousin Ryan 
And I was telling him the same thing. Well, how do I, sometimes I feel like I enter in his presence, sometimes I don't. I pray, but sometimes I feel like I enter in and I, sometimes I don't. And he reminded me that you enter in with thankfulness. So we started talking about, well, maybe we should make a list of all the things that we're thankful for. All the things, like I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful that my son turning three, he's healthy. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for the things that God's done for me. I look over the resume of God. And you, before you know, you made pages of things that you're thankful for. And all of a sudden, that pride part of you just starts to fall away because you realize how finite you are. You can't do this by yourself and how infinite he is and how much he loves you and how much he's been looking out for you. How he's never left you, he's never forsaken you. And everything you have is because of him. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're in his presence. That window has opened. That gate has opened. That's why the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And enter his courts with praise. Next time you have trouble entering in, feeling like you got into his presence, just start to make a list. Just start to sit down and just write down all the little things. I got breath in my lungs. I got a job. I've got some things going on in my life. I'm here today. I'm still alive. I'm surviving. When I, when I thought I couldn't make it, when I was facing that doctor's report, when I thought it was over, I'm so thankful. Before you know it, tears are running down your face because you're like, I don't, I can't explain it. I can't explain it, but God. All of a sudden, that window is open. Thankfulness is a way to open windows. Surrender is a way to open windows. Faith, obedience, consistency. Open up the windows. I had another discussion, and I'll, I'll close with this. I had another discussion with another guy named Chris. Uh, he's he's ex-military, serves in the church, good friend. And we're just, he was just talking to me a little bit about um, what it was like in, in the military and in, in training. And the environment there is really hard to be a Christian. And the environment there is really hard to be pure and think pure. It's not really for that in some, in some cases. He's trying to be a man of God. And, and it made me start thinking and praying. In fact, if you're here today in this room and, and you have served or currently serve in any armed forces, military, you're a veteran or uh, National Guard or anything, I want you to just stand up where you are. But if that's you, you serve in any, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, before, listen, stay standing. Everyone stretch forth your hands to them. There is a story in the Bible, and I just thought about this as I was praying for you guys. And God wants to honor you and bless you. And it says this in Matthew 8, 8. It says the centurion, one of the soldiers, he replied, Lord, I don't deserve for you to even come under my roof. But just say the word and healing will come. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He said, I, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with the kind of faith like this such great faith. I declare over you today that you will have just say a word type of faith. You'll have the, the faith that you know, even if you don't feel like you deserve it. If Jesus says the word, because you understand command, you understand authority. 
and you lean into the fact that Jesus has all authority and all power and if he says the word that healing will come if he says that word that miracle will come if he says the word restoration will come if he says the word peace will come over you and over your family and over your children in Jesus name how many of you guys received that for yourself bless you guys you guys can sit down thank you I was talking with another guy, Aaron. We were sat sitting at the fire and we were chatting. We were like, man, we didn't necessarily get to see the model daily of what a man of God, who is a husband and a father, what they do to lead their house, how to lead devotion and how to pray with your kids and how to do that. We didn't get to see it. We didn't get to see it. Maybe if that's you, if you're in the room and you feel like maybe I missed out on something because I didn't have a dad that was there, that was, a, that was like leading the way in prayer. They may have been there and they may have done the best they could, but they didn't show you how to do this, how to lead your family. If that's you, I want you to stand up real quick. That's you. You have, you have that situation like me where I'm like, I kind of had to figure it out a different way. Come on, there's people all over the place. You didn't necessarily have that influence or that example. And you're wondering, do I even know how? Do I even know what that's supposed to look like? I want to declare to you Romans chapter 1 verse 20. This ministered to me. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen. So even though you may have not seen it in your house, God is putting things around you. If you just look around, he's going to show you. It's going to be clearly seen. You will understand exactly what to do. You'll understand how to do it from what has been made so that people are without excuse. I used to live in the excuse of, well, I didn't know. I didn't see it. No one showed me. No one taught me. And then God reminded me everything I put around your life was to show you and teach you and help you. Your small group leaders, your church community, leaders in your life, your boss. God has brought people that are going to show you how to do this at the right time. So you'll never feel like you missed out on anything. He's seen every gap and Jesus himself will fill that gap for you so that you will live with no excuses, no regrets, no shame, no condemnation, and you will be free to be the man and woman of God that God called you to be in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You guys can sit down. I got one more. Is that all right? Today launches a new season of small groups. If you're in the room and you're leading one of these small groups or co-leading, I want you to stand up. All the small group leaders, co-leaders, YNC small group leaders, I want you guys to stand up if you're here. Thank you. Thank you for opening your homes and opening your schedule. Thank you for opening uh, your heart. Thank you for studying the word so that you can help disciple people. That's a lot. That's a lot. And listen, anyone else in this room to see these people standing up? If you're not already registered for a small group, find one of these leaders in the lobby right after service. Ask them about their small group. Get plugged in.
Why do we do small groups? Because we need discipleship and we need relationships and we need to care for one another. That's God's heart. That's God's design for the church. So if you're not currently in a small group, I want you to sign up for one today. They start this week. And these are some amazing leaders. And my prayer for you is Proverbs 11, 25. A generous person will prosper. These are the ones that make sure our church isn't cursed because they're tithers. In fact, that's one of the requirements to be a small group leader. They are tithers. So thank you for not letting our church be cursed and not robbing from God. You're generous and a generous person will prosper. And the one who refreshes others will they themselves be refreshed. I pray for you, right? Stretch forth your hands. I pray that you would not be burned out in this season, that it wouldn't be too much. That as you open up your homes and you serve other people weekly and you prepare for Bible studies and you teach people and you do things and you meet with people and pour out to them. As you pour out to them, God's going to pour into you. As you refresh them, God's going to refresh you. As you help restore marriages, God's going to be bringing restoration to you. As you help bring healing to others, God's going to bring healing to you. God will do for you what you're doing for others in this season. That you will not end this season hurt and burned out and not want to ever do it again but God is actually going to strengthen you strengthen you in this and give you the power for what you're going to be doing for all of these people in Jesus name amen